Welcome to the Nurture Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. At DCA, we believe in small businesses and the families they support. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Offering a wealth of business development and strategic planning skills, a history of successful leadership, and a clear passion for mentoring, marketing, and brand management, Favorite Daughter is the place for entrepreneurs to move their business forward. For Angela Rikus, a passion for food, small and local businesses began at a young age. Her grandparents owned a Greek market in Washington, D.C., the Acropolis Food Market, where she spent many weekends. The images of the Greek community gathering to hear the news of the week and seeing them connect with her yaya as she wrapped up the cheeses and olives are ingrained in her DNA. With the varied professional background, she ensures a unique and valuable perspective on operations, consumer behavior, customer trends, and business strategy. When not at work, you can find Angela discovering new restaurants in the D.C. area, tinkering in her kitchen, or hanging out with her beloved dog. Angela is inspired by traveling in the cultures of other cities and countries. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell me, what's what's the best find you just found for restaurants. Oh, oh man. That's or a recent one. one. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a, there's a few and you know, it's, it's um, wild times in the restaurant industry with, with the pandemic, but there's a lot of stuff opening. And I think because you mentioned my Greek heritage, I'm going to go with Melina, which is in Rockville, actually. Um, everyone focuses so heavily on the district, but you know, Montgomery County has got some great restaurants and it's a, it's actually owned by the founders of Kava, which is, you know, the fast, casual Mediterranean chain. Mm-hmm. And this is like a, it's unique twist on traditional Greek food. And it it's great. It's really great. I can't wait for the weather to be nice and you can sit outside. Um, so Molina is probably my, my new pick. So is Molina also a chain like Kava? No, it's just a, it's a one-off restaurant. Okay. They have a couple like that. They have one uh, actually right down the street in the same uh, area. Um, and that's called Julie, J-U-L-I-I. And that one's French. So the, you know, the owners, the founders have, you know, now they've expanded the original concept, have time to kind of do these creative projects. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. So with your background in, in the food industry, and it started from, you know, your grandparents' business. So you've got entrepreneurship in your blood as long, along with the passion of food. Yeah. So tell me what other steps along the way brought you to this path of being food passionate? Yeah, I, I never, you know, obviously when you're a kid, you don't really think of it, right? This is my grandparents' store. This is, you know, where people buy things. That's where my parents met at that store, you know, so it just had this history. And even today, and you, you know, talk to people in the community, they remember going there and seeing my, my, yeah, yeah, my grandmother. Um, so I think um, we've always, you know, we celebrate with food, we grieve with food, everything, you know, if, I mean, I, to this day, I talk to my mom, she's like, what'd you eat today? it's like we're always talking about it and we've always you know just tried recipes and you know cooking both of my brothers are really good cooks as well so at the holidays it can be a little uh, competition of who's making the best dish Um, so I think it's just always been there and when I worked in an ad agency in New York in New York City that was my uh, like original career I guess you would call it Um, although if you go way back I worked in restaurants growing up in high school and college but um you know I I worked in an ad agency and I um, was getting laid off, you know, which I think a lot of people are, you know, scared to admit layoffs and things like that, but it was a time to change my direction. And I always liked cooking and, um, had a friend 
and took me on a tour of the French Culinary Institute in New York City. And um, I thought, well, this is a maybe this is a new skill, something different that I can do. Um, it'll take it'll be a six month program. It's days, um, and so I did that. I'd like I said, I'd always been cooking, um, seeking out restaurants and products and things. And I was like, oh, this would be really, this would be great. So I did that. It's really hard to make uh, <laughs> money as a you're living in New York City as in the pastry industry. I studied pastry arts, and um, so I worked in some bakeries. I really um, learned a lot about small business. Working at Eileen's Cheesecake in New York City, the best cheesecake in New York, bar none. People can come at me if they want, but order one, she'll ship, they'll ship. Um, Ooh, Eileen's, I'll have to Eileen's put that in show notes. <laughs> Eileen, yeah, favorite cheesecake. Uh, her daughters run the business now. Um, but uh, so I, I think that's kind of where, you know, I really got more into it. So it always been lingering as one of those things that's like, let's see what where this goes. Um, so from there, I started working. Um, I, I, I knew I needed to find a way to tie my love of food and, and my background in advertising and business and that type of thing together. And so I got a position at Whole Foods Market um, in the Northeast region, in, which is New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And at that time, I mean, Whole Foods had one location in New York City. I think they've got 10 now, something like oh, that. Yeah. So uh, it was a brand on the rise. And so I think that that's probably where a lot of the background came from. It just It's always been there. And it just kind of found a way to weave it into my career. Yeah, I remember when um, Whole Foods expanded into Charlotte, it was probably 15 years ago, maybe. Um, and now they've got, I, in the region, they've probably got three or four sto- stores, not directly in Charlotte, there's at least two in mm-hmm. Charlotte. But here in Richmond, I know there's one, two. maybe two stores as yep. well. Yep. <laughs> no, that first Richmond store is um, awesome. I, always, I love that store. Is that the Carytown yeah. one? Do you know? Yeah, That's know. okay. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. I know there's one in Carytown. Yeah. Um, no worries. So, so um, the you've got a great history, a great background, two combinable skills, and you created a new career out of it. That's incredible. Yeah. So, are you seeing restaurants that? you know, restaurants clearly have been hit super hard by COVID, lots of challenges, lots of changing challenges. They're not all the same. Um, Do you have, are restaurants coming out with like, I have this recipe, this one thing that we do that's unique to us that they want to take to market. Are you seeing any of that? I I have seen some um, who, you know, I've got a hot sauce or I have a cookie um, and that kind of thing that they want to bring to, um, you know, to market and either sell through retail or through their website or at the stores, at the restaurants themselves. Um, I can't think of an example offhand, but um, I'll probably come up with something. But you do see um, a lot of restaurants trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do to add value, bring more revenue in during this time? And they have these kitchen spaces, you know, so they can make things. Um, I think the challenge is getting that product to market, getting that product. Cause I, you know, I mentioned Whole Foods, everyone thinks that that's the, the beacon. That's where I have to get my product. And you know, you don't, <laughs> and it's hard, right? It's a, it's a decentralized company. It's got a lot of regions. It's got a lot of bells and whistles. They have a lot of requirements, right? They don't allow certain ingredients in their store. Um, but it's not just, you know, walk into the store and drop a product off and everyone loves it. I mean, I think that's the, that's the dream. And it really, it's not, it, used to be like that in a lot of places. And there's probably a lot of smaller shops that you can do that with, but it's really hard to do. So what does that journey look like if you're trying to get into Whole Foods or even have it on Amazon Prime or 
you know, whatever the case, and I'm, I'm sure it looks a little bit different for each outlet, but just in general terms, what, what does an entrepreneur need to plan for? I think that the biggest thing that I see is planning for how much money you're going to have to spend on your own to do it. Um, it's a little bit like people like uh, release books and they think the publisher is going to do all the like press for them and market it for them. It's like, they don't really do that. Um, it's like, you got to like let people know. So, you know, I mean, I have one client right now, um, her, she's got a great, um, granola bar. It's called sidebar. She's out of Maine. And, um, you know, she, she actually, a little of an example of what you just said to me, she had a bakery at one point, she started making these granola bars, closed the bakery and this decided to focus on the bars and it got great packaging. She's got a really beautiful story. Um, and it's like, okay, she needs, you know, you have money to buy ingredients, money to make the product. It's not the same as making it at home, right? You're not going to, you got to either have a kitchen facility that you can make this product in, depending on what you're making. Um, and can you scale it? Right. Um, she, so she has, she perfected her recipe. She figured out her design and logo packaging, and then she had to find a co-packer. The co-packer is the person who actually ends up making the product, right? So it's a manufacturer that's going to make the product. Um, so you have to find that person. It has to be a really strong partnership because they're making it and then they're sending it somewhere, either back to you, to a distributor, to a warehouse, and then it has to go to the stores. And so she's a tiny little business. She's got a co-packer. She's got some really good shops in Portland, Maine that are picking up her product. You can order it online. And I always say, try to get it online if you can first, because nobody's going to be taking any money from you. Because when you go retail, you have a distributor, the retailer needs to take a piece of it, you know, and then your prices start going up. So I really think it's like how much money you're going to have to invest to get it going. That's one. And two is you can't do it all yourself. We were just talking about this with small business, right? You can't be the salesperson and the person making the cupcake or whatever. And the marketing. I mean, we all do that as a small business, but when it's in food and manufacturing or food and distribution, you're going to get overwhelmed. You have to have, you know, really good business partners in a way to really make that happen. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of food products, you know, you see cake pops and cupcakes and, you know, they start out in their own kitchen and um, it's a big leap. As a matter of fact, just, you know, sidebar here, Emith, anybody who's ever read it, he actually uses um, the example of a woman who makes pies uh, and how she has to find systems in place and stop being the technician, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, and be the actual business owner. So it is a challenge to go from the baker to yep. being the business owner and mm-hmm. understanding budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those strategic partnerships and things that you mentioned. Yeah. So, and t- taking it back to the, the, the Greek thing, another bakery in, in uh, Maryland here, Masticha Bakery, she was a, originally a client. And now we're just good friends. Similar thing. She was selling at farmer's markets. She made all the Greek pastries, but she makes pita bread by hand, Ooh. which nobody does. It's <laughs> the most delicious pita bread you'll ever have. And so she had that struggle or she had, I mean, she'd been in business almost, I want to say 10 years. And she's like, okay. People want my pita bread in their stores. We have a few small stores here, um, Roots, um, some of the other natural food stores, Moms, Moms Organic Market. And um, so she needed to get from that. And she wasn't doing it at home. She had a kitchen, but it was a tiny little space. And so she had to literally like create like a pita team. Like, okay, we're going to start making pita bread now. And it's been really successful for her. But she had to do that. Exactly what you said, get out of being the person and be the business owner. Or else it would 
don't let it run you, right? Is I think what we say, you've got to run the business, don't let it run you. And she was getting so run down and she finally was like, okay, put a pin in it and let's figure out how I'm going to do this. And, you know, everything from getting a good bookkeeper to getting, you know, all this stuff that you need on the back end to make sure you're, you're ready for launching. And you provide not just the food expertise, but you provide that coaching and strategy planning as well. Yeah, I do. And I, I try to do it in a way that's like, you know, I'm not going to guarantee you're going to get into, you know, 15 stores or, or this and that you have to do the work. So my, my role is really to, you know, when we say, okay, Whole Foods is the, or whoever, because any grocery store is my, that's my ultimate goal. Great. But we're not going there right now. We have all this. We just want to do the next step and the next step, because I think we get really excited and you see, maybe see some other brand in there. You're like, oh, I can do this. And it's like, yeah, you can totally do it. And you never see the behind the scenes, the sausage making, as they say. And so my, my job is really to help what's right next. And I, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, force you into other directions, but it's like, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you done this step yet? And then using any connections I have, I'm always happy to share them. Right. Cause it's like, I feel like it's a small business family. Um, so I, I do that also and just, um, you know, have them talk to somebody that might not be me. I, I sometimes work myself out of clients. I, I have another one, um, Shea Radiance, which is a fantastic product. She is, I'm going to have lunch with her today. As a matter of fact, <laughs> she makes shea butter products. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she has a social a social mission as well to help the women in Nigeria make a living wage. She gets the shea butter from there, brings it to Maryland, makes the products. And she was in, in a few Whole Foods stores for a long time and just couldn't get to the rest of them. And it just took a lot of like, what are we not doing right? What do we need to change? And she always stuck to the core value, which was supporting the women in Africa and bringing beautiful products to the people here. That was it. So every time we stayed on that thing, we kind of took those baby steps. And now she's um, she's in every store. She's in every Whole Foods store. Wow. So, yeah. What was the name of that brand again? It's Shea Radiance. Shea Radiance. Shea Radiance. Okay. We'll put them in the show notes. <laughs> I will. It's really, it really is a great product. And you can buy it online too. You don't have to go to um, a store to buy it. But that was her ultimate goal. But she didn't like push for it, you know, and push and push and push. It's got to be Whole Foods. It was like, what's the thing we need to do now before we even get that far, right? So it, there was just a lot of little baby steps in between. So it, it's just, um, it's it can be frustrating, right? When you see someone else making it, doing it. You're like, what about us? Um, so that I'm, I'm kind of a little bit like the cheerleader too, of like, you know, another client who's, who's a small at-home baker right now. And she sent her first like email that she's been saying she would send for weeks. And she's like, well, it only went to 10 people. I'm like, it went to 10 people. You wrote it, you sent it. We did it. Like <laughs> you got to start somewhere, you know? You do. Yeah. You absolutely do. Yeah. Um, what is the, so you talk about all these baby steps. What is the step that the business owners struggle with getting right, or maybe one that they're most surprised, like, really, I have to do this? Gosh, uh, varies business to business. But I think it's, again, I go back to the financing. It's hard to find money if you're not self-financing, which a lot of us don't have that kind of money, or a bank is not going to finance you unless they know they're going to get their money back. So finding those money sources for capital, that's a big one. You know, everyone's very like, I love small business until it's really easy to just order from Amazon and be like, okay, I'd love to go down the street and get this, but right now I'm just going to get it from Amazon. So I think they get a little surprised about how much money it takes. They get tripped up by that, but there are sources out there and, and, you know, I try to help find them, you know, connect them and everything. Um, And then I think just a lot of, I don't know if this is new, we talk about ghosting, right? 
you know, they make a connection with somebody. It might be a buyer at a small store and then never hear back again. Mm. And that's always shocking to people trying to run a business. It's shocking to me to this day when people just like vanish. And I know that everyone gets busy, but an email or a text or something that says, hey, I'm going to have to put this on hold for a while. Okay, that's cool. We're adults, but it's like the weirdest thing to me to just completely vanish. And I, I see that a lot. And I think a lot of my uh, people that I've worked with are just like, I've been, you know, emailing and asking and I can't get a word back. It's like, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it other than that really stinks. And don't do that to people. Whoever's <laughs> <laughs> <I laughs> listening, don't do that to people. Just respond. I mean, be honest, be frank. And it's fine. Again, we're all adults and somebody might get mad, but that's not your problem. You just say, I can't do this right now. Absolutely. So prior to um, us recording, I went onto your website and I took a look at some things. I I pretty much knew what you did, but I wanted to, you know, make sure that I I saw some of the unique things. So here's a couple of things that I saw that I'd love for you to help our listeners understand, because I have a feeling it's their intrinsic parts of what we've been discussing. Consumer trend spotting. What is that? I'm like a voracious seeker of stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, how did how does a, a product become you know talked about, buzzed about? Like, um, so I'm always sort of looking. Like when you asked about the restaurant, you know, and I went to Molina, and it was like it was unique Greek food, right? And it's like, what are the things that I see people eating in restaurants? What are chefs doing and talking about? Um, you know, so I just kind of try to keep an eye on what's going on. And and I think I get a million emails a day from different bloggers. I listen to a million podcasts just to kind of see what's happening and knowing that a lot of people that I work with don't have the time or interest to do that. So if I see something that's an interesting trend or uh, uh, maybe an ingredient people are using, I might mention it or, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just stuff like that. I think that's kind of what I, I really love to just talk to people about what they're seeing. And whatever the industry is, I mean, I, you know, I got some clients during COVID that I had one that was a, you know, a, a psychiatrist, uh, her therapy group. And it was just like an interesting, like complete shift, but it's a, it's a, it's a business. It's a client service. And when everything shut down and people really needed mental health, you know, she just kind of needed to understand like, how do I get what I do out there? She was making great videos. She had good content, but it was like, Post it on Facebook. Post it on Facebook. It's like, no, that's not going to get to anybody. So let's let's target your audience. Let's figure out how we're going to get it there. So I think, you know, she was seeing that, again, that's a trend in her niche, right? Of like, we're mm-hmm. doing video content. We're posting on LinkedIn more than before because mental health is a little bit secretive and private, right? So it was like that kind of stuff. So I just kind of look and research and just see what I'm, what I'm finding. Perfect. And you've got um, other things on there about in-store experience and placemaking. What is that? Oh yeah, that is, um, that's actually a lot of what um, I did with Whole Foods um, and with Eden's, which is a company I worked for. So the idea of what is the environment when you walk in? What's the feeling, the mood, the vibe, the decor, the design, all those things, those are part of your brand. Those are part of your um, your business. And it could be a, a shop. It could be a, it could be a restaurant. Um, a retail store, anything like that is about sort of experience and placemaking. Um, when I worked at um, Eden's, which is a real estate company, we were really wanting to make it an experience when you came to our retail centers, right? So it wasn't just like, there's the strip mall, there's the grocery store. It was like, what's activated there? We had a big um, TV screen where we showed um, 
movies, uh, you know, but also like on the weekends, like morning cartoons. So when the parent was out, you know, strolling with the kid while the other parent was at, you know, exercise class, it's like, oh, morning cartoons on the big screen, like just really being thoughtful of the environment, of the people, of the vibe. Um, sometimes those kind of places can be so flat and, and just like going to Target and then I'm going home, you know, and it's like, what can we do to make it a community and a place where people want to mix and mingle and, um, and, and run into their neighbor and, and talk to them. So that, that takes effort. We think that it happens kind of uh, naturally and sometimes it does, but sometimes you got to push it a little bit and, and make it feel like the place you want it to be. So that's, that's what placemaking is. So you could work with say a brewery that mm-hmm. wants a certain look, feel, they might have a, a social mission and you could help them accomplish it. So it doesn't look like every other brewery and every other experience you have with those very uncomfortable stools and, you know, yeah. signs on the wall that look like, you know, gas station signs. Right. It's that attention to detail and like what, what looking at things from the customer perspective, which I think we start, sometimes we start a business doing that. And then again, we get busy and overwhelmed. It's like comes so much from your own perspective without remembering how is someone going to feel about this when they step in and, you know, you ever sit at a bar and there's no hooks for your bag and you're like, ah, there's no hook on the bar for my bag. <laughs> like that's like a tiny little detail. That a lot of restaurant people will consider, but it's like, it's all those little things. And, and um, when I, when I worked at Whole Foods, um, the design and decor team was part of my team as well. So we designed every single store individually and every department and I don't know how they do it now, but every department got to design their department. And then our team kind of did the overall feeling of the store. So when people say that's my Whole Foods, they know it's different than the other one they went to, right? It feels different inside. It looks different. If you Mm -hmm. go from Washington, DC to New York City to Ohio, they're all different. And that was, that was purposeful. That was like to make it your community store. Um, And so I learned a lot from that doing that, you know, we would, we opened a store in, um, near GW university in DC. And I remember just, we were struggling, like, I mean, is it a, is it for DC? Is it for the students? Is it for the state department? That's right down the road, you know, really having to kind of pull the DC-ness out of it and make it feel like a really cool, funky place to come get your lunch. Interesting. Cause I drawing on my experience from Charlotte, the one in the uptown area is very efficient. Okay. Partially probably because space there is at a premium. Mm -hmm. Um, So they had to make it more compact, but also to, you know, serve the businesses in Uptown as well as, you know, all of the condos that have gone up there. Um, The one in South Park now, it is sprawling, has a huge, what I feel like is an experience area with the the deli and the prepared Mm -hmm. foods. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the last time I was in there because of COVID, the salad bar wasn't active, but they had a huge salad bar and and hot food area um, and then the bakery. And so it was a very different feel with three levels of what I would call dining space. And they taught classes in there. They did the cooking classes, which was incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's interesting that you would say that. Yeah. That's, and I think that's every, very smart of them. Yeah, it was really, it was really, it was, I think it was, it, it's what put them on the map in a lot of ways was yes. <clears throat> natural foods. Um, you know, you go and it's a filter. You don't need to worry about what's in the ingredients and all that stuff. But then there's like that little extra, that's something else. And I don't think you have to be a big company like like a Whole Foods to do that. You can be a a Mm -hmm. local brewery and you're just like, what's going to be the thing that people really are going to love about this? And and how can I make it feel like as soon as you walk in, you're like, oh yeah, this this is my spot. 
Whereas sometimes you walk into places and you get like a vibe where you're just like, something's not right. Uh, I don't know if it's the physical space, it's the people, what it is, but something's just not feeling right. And that's intentional. Like that, you can fix that. Fascinating. So lesson to our listeners, you can still have a cohesive brand and yet customize and be different. You can absolutely. And, you know, your brand is so many things. It's every touch point, right? And so really thinking it all the way through, I'm working right now, the client just wants a logo. And I'm like, well, there's a logo, but there's all these things that go with the logo. And it's hard to teach people that because it's like, you don't recognize it till it's wrong almost, right? Like it's like, Mm -hmm. something's not right. And I'm not sure what it is. It's like, you got to think the the whole thing through. Absolutely. Angela, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? You know, I, I teach a hospitality class to high school, <laughs> high school girls. Oh, I didn't know you taught, but I didn't yeah. know it was high school. That's very cool. Yeah, I teach uh, hospitality and tourism management, uh, Elizabeth Seton High School in Bladensburg, Maryland. And it's a part, it's obviously part-time, so I have my, my business to run. But um, I, w- I miss being as an independent contractor or whatever you want to call me. I miss having a team, like people mm. to mentor and, and help. And this, the, a friend of mine worked there and I was like, I'm not a teacher. She's like, oh, sure. Everybody's a teacher. I was like, that's, that's a tagline for something. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, the curriculum is written. My job is to to deliver it and teach them, but also to bring them the world, real world things, you know, and, and because it's hospitality and tourism, it, it's a career development kind of class, resumes, getting to work on time, that kind of stuff, but also open their minds to like, when they are in a, in a restaurant, when they are at, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, a fast food place or Chipotle, what are they experiencing? What are they feeling? What are they seeing? They come in with lots of stories and they, you know, they have to do an internship between their junior and senior year. So that's a big part of what I do is help find internships for them. And I still hear from, you know, I've been doing this a couple of years. I hear from students. I have one right now who's asked if, um, if I have any, you know, uh, she's studying hospitality at a, at a university and she's going to be home for the summer. And if I have any job leads for her. And so it's a, it's an industry that's been so hard hit by COVID. And it also has had a lot of, you know, reputation of not being great for, for women or, um, or those that are marginalized and having a lot of like kitchen issues and stuff like that. So I feel like if I can get a bunch of women into it um, and have, they can have mentors like I did, I think it'd be really, really great to sort of shift how hospitality is, um, is seen as a career. I love how you're contributing to the community that way. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. How can our listeners find you after the show? Um, you can, uh, my website is favoritedaughterllc.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's my name. It's not my business. Ange Rakis, A-N-G-R-A-K-I-S on Instagram. I'm on there much more than any other platform. And I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Um, Angela Rakis, R-A-K-I-S. Um, that's pretty much where you can find me. You can always email me too. Perfect. (laughs) We'll make sure all of that information is in our show notes. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. This was so fun. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth, technology, and people strategies to help your business thrive. At DCA Virtual Business Support, our focus is making your business operations run smooth so you can focus on growth. Reach out to me at denise at dcavirtual.com if you'd like to learn more.